Sandra and Noah. Hello, 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 and welcome back oh, to yes. the Theater welcome World back. Podcast. My name's Noah Bender. And I'm Sandra Nemchik. And our guest this week is an actor, director, and educator who currently sits as the artistic director of Coastal Repertory Theater in Half Moon Bay. He is dedicated to creating a more inclusive community and has worked extensively for over 20 years with theater companies all over the Bay Area, most recently starring in The Importance of Being Earnest at Coastal Rep. Please welcome Danny Martin. Woo! Woo! Thanks for having me. <laughs> that was that was quite the intro. I didn't know I was Oh, that. yeah. Hey, you're a prestigious guy. That's, That's right. True. All these years behind you. I yes. mean, we've got the we've got the president of your fan club right here. I am. Yeah. I, I mean, I had to make him an Instagram page before Instagram. He knew even how to use Instagram. I now am on Instagram. Yes, oh, I know that. Thank you. Thank you. And currently I'm not really using the Danny fan page, but it is still there floating it's around. Yes, it is. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. How, how, did, how did you come up with this Danny Martin fan page? Um, it happened during 13. Um, they had a Xandra fan page for me. So a middle school uh, uh -huh. um, yeah. you know, summer production of, yeah. of 13, the best musical there yeah. is to do for for 13 year olds so, and it turned yeah, out so great, these kids in, in in summer are are like fangirling and they have like this fangirl page for me it's called like the the xandra or the fandra zan page um <laughs> and you know they're posting pictures and writing you know like xandra's live xandra's cool and danny's like i want one and and <laughs> and, <laughs> and i was like i'm your fan too and so He's like, uh, what is it? It's what is it on? And I'm like, it's on Instagram. He's like, uh, the Instagram, what? <laughs> I don't know what that is. That's, yeah. That's for the young people. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'll make you one. Don't worry. So I made this one. And then all of the kids from the show started to follow it. And, you know, they, they would be like, let's take a picture. He, I like, let's take a video. At one point, one of the actors in the show, like, lost her voice. And so she stayed home and, like, slept. And Danny had to go on and play one of the kids. I think that was actually, maybe that was that was changing minds. I think that was changing minds. Yeah, I, yeah. I, had, to, I had to play. But like uh, the, 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 lead. the yeah, the, <laughs> the page lead. was been active for maybe like a good five years of active things because like up until the I think the pandemic kind of shut it down. Yeah, and then was I no finally shows. got my own page. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Danny, you're an easy person to mythologize <laughs> because you're you're not so active on social media, and I think your personality and and your name, I think you've got this kind of like aura of like an like an old fashioned star, like maybe Ooh. maybe just because your name sounds Clark like Gable. Dean, like Dean Martin, but Danny Ooh. Martin sounds like sounds like a a movie poster from the '60s. Yeah. Well, I'd like to think there's still a movie poster of me somewhere. Oh, of oh, course, sure, <laughs> in another reality, absolutely. Yes, but I was quite an enigma for many years by not being on social media. <laughs> well, let's talk about your origin story in theater, um, because we hear you you were a bit of a late bloomer when it came to theater. I was. Okay. How, how did you, how did the the bug hit you? Um, well, let's so see. Marvel or DC comic show. That's what uh, I want to know. <laughs> um, I think I go with Marvel. Okay. Uh, the most. For me, starting out, uh, I was a Catholic school kid. We didn't have a drama program. Uh, I was a big fan of the soap opera. Wanted to be a soap opera star. And you then could still do it. I still could. There's four soaps left. Um, <laughs> and uh, did a couple shows in high school, but I was really, really shy. And then went through college. And once I got through, I was absolute, uh, 
actually, I have a substitute teaching at my alma mater, Mills High School in Millbrae. And ACT was there that day talking about a show the kids had done uh, to go see. And I went up after and I was like, how do you go to ACT? Thinking, oh, this is my big break. And I did their summer training congress. And that was in 2000. So I did Famous a couple theater of years. training school in San Francisco. Yes, American Conservatory Theater. Damn, and I could have had you as my substitute. That would have been fun. You most likely did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, did a training there. And then in 2003, I finally got my big break at the community theater scene at the age of 26, Woo! doing working at Hill Barn Theater, my very hey. first show 20 years ago. Working? What did you play? Um, who was I? Well, I was in the ensemble. Um, I played Ralph Warner. I worked in a in a cubicle and was very nerdy. <laughs> and uh, who else? I I played like all the young boyish roles because okay. yeah, you were at a young the time, boy. I was twenty six, and I was. You've always had a boyish queen. charm. Boyish yes. charm, yes, and I'm still <laughs> playing the young boy roles. Um, so that was my start. So I started at Hill Barn, and I ended up doing three shows there that year. Because wow. I was like the fresh new face. And then I started venturing out, uh, did some Pacifica Spindrift, did Palo Alto, felt like I had my big break at Broadway by the Bay. Oh, yeah. If you get to Broadway by the Bay, you've made it. Oh, my. It took me years to get in there. Uh, years. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I did a show up at Ray of Light before they were edgy. I did Grease. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been kind of all over East Bay, Coastal Rep where I'm currently doing my 15th show over there. So, um, yeah, so I was a late bloomer. I was in my mid-20s when I finally hit the theater scene. Mm. And ever since then, you never looked back. I haven't looked back at all. Well, apart from being an actor, you're also a experienced and credentialed educator with, you know, advanced degrees and whatnot, specializing, <laughs> <laughs> specializing in, you know, early childhood education and uh, neurodivergent education. How do you think your experience with early childhood education, like, impacts your, like, directing of adult actors? Um, I have a lot of patience. Mm. And I don't yell. So mm -hmm. that those are two important things. I think that um, encouragement goes a lot more than getting angry and yelling. And there are a lot of directors that I've worked with that have used the yelling tactic to try to get what they want. Intimidation. And intimidation. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not fun. So um, it's a, a learned thing too. You know, like they probably learned it from their right. whatever their director. Uh, so I'm very inclusive in my casting. Uh, it doesn't matter to me who you are. It's that you want to be there. And community theater should be about the community and everybody should be involved that wants to be involved. And mm -hmm. that really is my mission. Uh, I just recently directed Christmas in the Oz over the holidays. And everyone that auditioned was offered a role. Whether or That's not they awesome. took it, that was their choice. But no danceability, full danceability, no singing. You know, I just cast everybody, uh, definitely had a neurodivergent, diverse cast. Mm -hmm. And um, and I was like, I'm glad to be their director because I know how to deal with people that learn differently. 
Yeah. Well, how would you do like if you were to do West Side Story or Anything Goes? I mean, like a lot of choreographers might argue with you that you need only dancers for these shows. I think there's a place for everyone because, yes, you need the big dancers for the big dance numbers. But is there a way to utilize somebody that wants to be there? Is there a spot on the stage? Is there some small walk on? Is there anything that they can do? to be involved and to improve their skills. I, I'll, I'll be honest, years ago, I was cast in a chorus line. I am not a big dancer. I don't have a lot of dance training, but I was offered this role and worked really hard. I went every day to rehearsals at four to the choreographer's house to drill dance steps so that by the time I got to rehearsal, I was front loaded on everything we were going to do. And mm-hmm. I was able to do that show. And, uh, I can't do a double turn, but I could do a single. And uh, hey. Hey, yeah, enthusiasm is just as important as experience at certain levels. It is. And in community theater, I do believe all levels should be welcome. It's it's what it is. If if I wanted to be professional, I'd go be professional. But community theater should be for the community. It should be for the people that want to do it. So you're saying like community theaters shouldn't try and be bigger than what they really are meant to be? What? I am. I am. Because it's it's gotten to a point where, you know, everyone's auditioning sooner. Everyone wants the better mm-hmm. talent. Everyone's it's like, why are we doing this? Are we doing this to tell stories or are we doing this to be the best? And when I started out, I felt like theater was more competitive. And now I don't. I think mm-hmm. it's about a group of people that want to do something artistic together. And you have people that are really, really good. And you have people that are just starting out and you can bring them together and make magic. It doesn't, it doesn't matter your talent. It's community theater. It should be for the community. Cause yeah, it's about having a shared goal. Like, of course you want to have a good product. Oh, but, definitely. But it's all about meeting people where they are and giving the performers and the people involved an enjoyable experience that'll, you know, make memories to last a lifetime. <laughs> But also, yeah. to, uh, but also to, you know, pass the time and enjoy themselves in the moment. And, you know, community theater can do so much to build confidence in people. Oh, and, and networking, too. You know, you can make, it, like, your best friends. It can. It changes your life. It's like, you know, I'm not athletic, but I play on a softball team. I'm not that good, but I do it because I like being a part of the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I went out there and they just told me no because I wasn't good, how would I feel? I'd feel really crappy about myself. So yeah. I'd rather welcome people and maybe if they're not meant to be on stage to find a place for them they are looking for a community of people to connect with and it's all about connections because yeah i think people there's a conception that people think that there's such a huge gap between you know community theater and you know professional broadway um but it's really just about like it, there's 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 room for people to be enthusiastic amateurs yes there definitely is and if i ever thought that i wanted to be and i did at one time think i was going to be a professional actor i knew the shift i was going to have to make i was going to have to go to la i was going to have to go to new york i was going to have to go to chicago and do those things but my life is here i have my career my career is an educator that is my career but I would, I, would also consider you, I would also consider you a working actor. Mm-hmm. Thank you. 
I, I am. I've worked, you know, I've done like 70 shows in the last 20 years. It's been a big part of my life. That is a huge part of your life. Yeah. And I, and I did think right after I, in my, right when I, around the time I turned 40, I thought I was going to be done. I was like, you know, I just, this is too much. I just should move on. I tried. And then it was like, something happened and I was re-sparked again like no I love it this is what I love to do this you're is just what getting started makes... it is you are you just you just never know where your life is going to take you it's true you know like your life only ends when you say it ends that's right and I will hold on to these parts for as long as I can that's right you're gonna be 90 years old or you're gonna be playing like some really cool man in a wheelchair or something that's right like, ah I'm still here <laughs> no you'll, you'll you'll still be playing Cornelius and Hella Dolly that's right <laughs> that's right you're, you're so youthful that's because you're a vampire when i saw you that's in right. dracula yes, yes so that just I confirms was. everything that i know about you <laughs> yes no one knows how old i really am that's right <laughs> <laughs> um so we have like a an inside an insider tip or source that you used to do casting for a certain middle school i did i did do work on some casting um we can leave out names for this, but this is a juicy story. Xander, go on. Um, yes, and um, it was a middle school, like a huge middle school. They were really, they're really known for their theater. And um, you would come in just for the casting like roles. Like you would come in, watch all the auditions, right? Mm -hmm. You would watch the dance auditions and the yep. singing and then the callbacks. And then you would cast the show. Air quotes, air quotes. Yeah, cast. That's why I'm like really stretching this out. And and then the director would say, okay, thank you, goodbye. And you'd fly away. And then all the children would just be mad at you. Uh, part of it, yes. So as with all casting, there was a casting team, the director, mm -hmm. the music director, the choreographer. Um, there were other adults that got to share opinions, but my title was the casting director. And it did help to have somebody that was not really affiliated with school and had no relationships with those kids to be able to say, hey, this is what I think. Did what mm -hmm. I think always happen? No. But was I able to uh, help in that process? Yes. I think that for anybody working with kids, it's really hard to disappoint kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hate, I hate disappointing. And sometimes you need, you need someone to blame. Right. You need and a Danny like, Martin. You need a Danny Martin because Danny Martin, uh, I remember the first year it happened, the kids, the kids were told that this casting director was coming and they thought I was coming in from New York. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. You have someone coming in to cast so this show. So enigmatic. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, um, I like teach two, two towns over. Like <laughs> I'm not that important, <laughs> but uh, I did that for several years. And I liked it, and I still support that program. I think theater in any kid's life is important. And just like with community theater, I love seeing when all kids that want to be there are welcome. Um, I think there's a lot of theater programs in schools, too, that get too exclusive mm -hmm. and cannot let everybody that wants to be in in. And, yeah, not everyone's going to be good. Hey, but I, my my middle school experience was great with 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 Virginia Musante, who was famous yeah. for putting 120 kids on stage just because she wanted to give everybody a And you know, she gave a them all names, moment. too. <laughs> she That's gave them great. all names. 
and I'm a big fan of Virginia as well. I yeah. worked for several years with her um, at Dance Art Center doing the SNAP program, oh, that's right. special needs arts performers. Uh, Let's transition to now that you're, so you've been an actor, you've been an educator, you've been a director, but now you are a gatekeeper as the um, artistic director, chairman of the board of directors at Coastal Rep. Um, yes. What has transitioning into that role been like for you? Ooh, that's a big question. Uh, I guess I'll start with um, about 10 years ago, I was on a board of another theater, Dragon Theater Productions, when they were in Palo Alto. And I left shortly before they started their capital campaign to move to Redwood City. And it was one of those things where I was asked to join a board. And I thought, okay, I'll try it. Board work is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of hours. And so in 2019, um, I had been doing a lot of shows at Coastal Rep and they were looking for board people. And I opened my mouth and I said, hey, if you ever need anybody, I'll be interested. <laughs> and about two weeks later, that the chairman of the board at that time came to me and he said, hey, we, we'd like to get you on the board. And I said, great. And I went to a meeting and I went the next month and they're like, oh, in two months, we're going to need a new chairman and we're thinking of you. And I was like, <gasps> exactly. What? <laughs> like, um, uh, okay. And they're like, think about it. So I went to the next meeting. I said, yeah, I think I can do it. And then um, I had to deal with AB5. I had to deal with What's that? COVID. AB5. Okay. Uh, yes, good question for people that don't know. AB5 was the law that was really enacted for like Uber and Lyft drivers to get fair and equal pay, okay. but really affected the arts community and how stipends are paid and how um, to make pay equity among mm -hmm. people. Um, and it was like navigating that whole process of what does this really mean for theaters? And a lot of smaller theaters closed because of it. It was sad. Um, I think the Dragon Theater is gone now, right? Which one? The Dragon Theater, right? Yeah, the Dragon Theater is closed. They closed during COVID. Um, Bam, they are ways to make money. Just closed, yeah. The, and for a theater to really survive, it's not ticket sales. Everyone thinks, oh, ticket sales, ticket sales, ticket sales. You look at the price of some community theaters and they're outrageous, I'm sorry. It's community uh, theater. I they shouldn't agree. cost more than touring productions. Um, and ours are very affordable. We're between the $30 and $40 range, which is very inexpensive at Coastal Rep. But it's about pursuing grants and finding people that are good grant writers. Um, that's a big challenge. The next big challenge for us was going into COVID. And we pay, we have a big rental payment every month that is due. And it was pursuing money to from the government to help subsidize those payments. And then really just reinvigorating the theater and bringing it back as soon as we could. Um, we did backlot theater. So we were doing shows in our back parking lot. Cause it's like, well, we have a space and we have fresh air. Let's put on a show. And we had supporters that came with their lawn chairs and we did backlot theater for two shows before we could get back inside. Did you use those, uh, those clear masks that look like, uh, made you yeah. look like a Star Wars robot or something? No, we did not. We that did not use those. Thank uh, you. No. Yeah. Whenever <laughs> I saw people using those, those masks that looked like, it looked like, like a headgear, like headgear, or like, a, like a weird underbite thing. It's like, what, yeah. what is the, what is the point of that? I can, I can, I can 
barely see your face and it's not covering anything really. Yeah, wasn't right. there like a little gap in between it? So you're yeah. like, well, uh, is this really a mask? I don't know. Yeah, no, we didn't do those. We uh, we did our backlot Fresh Air Theater. Um, one was a radio show and um, the next one was a one woman show. So we did as much safety as we could because mm -hmm. at the time we just didn't know what was going to happen. Right. Uh, and then once we were able to move back inside, uh, we were very masked for rehearsals. We were following county guidelines, but for shows, we were unmasked. Um, and we're currently going to shift from requiring masks for patrons to masks recommended starting May 15th. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Like, at, at this point, the only places where I've been required to wear masks have been in, in theaters. Right. Well, yeah, theaters and medical places, like if you go to the doctor, that's the only place. And it's interesting because it's really only community theaters that are still requiring it. Like the big yeah. theaters, they don't require it. Um, however, big theaters have big money and they have understudies. Community theaters don't. So if an actor goes down in community theater, your show goes down. You got to have the director step in. Right. Yeah. Or, or the stage manager or somebody just... Go on with, with the, the script. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you and the audience, come on stage. You yeah. need to read. <laughs> Guess what? See, B14, you're, you're in the show today. That's right. <laughs> this the is the most immersive show we've ever done. But um, being a board member and being the chairman of the board also has allowed me to kind of bring my vision and experience. Of course. And uh, I'm very proud that 2022 three that's where we're in now is our first all-female directed season congratulations it was Ooh. something that i wanted to do when i first joined the board but then of course we had COVID. uh so once we were able to establish a full season i it was really important to me to uh give opportunities to women i looked at my resume and was like wow i've been directed by a lot of men and yeah. there's a lot of men in control of theaters in the bay area so True. let's give women the opportunity and um yeah so that's where we're at we have our first all-female directed season what's the season look like this year so 2023 we started off with the farce noises off love um, that show one of my favorites currently we are doing the importance of being earnest i was lucky enough to be cast in that show <laughs> i would love uh, to be in that show i'm so bummed they, they, they did it at san mateo high school the year after i graduated Oh, oh, you just missed out. I know, but you know want to be like an alumni cast in the show. <laughs> I know I'll, I'll be, I'll be Algernon, um, surreptitiously. There you go. You know, there's, there's something we could do. We could put together a San Mateo high school alumni productions. Oh. There are oh. enough people still in the area that we can oh, do I'm alumni sure. shows. We'll bring right. back theater world on zoom. That's oh right. My God. <laughs> okay. Um, go, go on. Next up is the crucible. Coming in June. Lovely. This summer, we're doing Bright Star, the musical. The Steve Martin uh, musical? Steve Martin, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, cool. And uh, coincidentally, I have two shows in this season that had babies left in handbags. Who knew? Wow. The importance of being earnest, a baby goes into a little suitcase. Bright Star, spoiler, there's going to be a baby that gets taken away in a suitcase. So two Might shows as well do season. Prince of Egypt soon. I was just like, wow. <laughs> and, and you're breaking ground using real babies, right? 
yeah. Yes, yes, that's it. Because, you know, I played myself as the baby in the movie. It's equitable. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes, <laughs> They're like, Danny, get in that suitcase. <laughs> we need a flashback. Uh, yes, you look young, but not that young. Uh, yeah, exactly. Hey, he looks like a baby. Yes. <laughs> he can do anything. I, I can play any part. Norma Desmond, that. Uh, and then in October, we are doing uh, The Girl on the Train. And then this December for Christmas, we are doing White Christmas. Oh, so very cool. Quite, quite a fun season. We're working on getting the rights for 2024. Miss Zandra Nemchik will most likely be directing as soon yes. as we get the rights Ooh. for a particular show. And I am bringing yet another female director to Coastal Rep. Well, congratulations. That sounds like a, an awesome slate. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so excited to, I mean, it's, I wish I could come see it, but I'll, I'll be supporting from afar as I no longer reside close to Half Moon Bay. But You'll I'll, come see my show. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> but you in, could. You in, better. In 20, <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, on, on air. I, I, I get my word. In, in 2024. Oh. Um, cool. Well, Danny, shall we move on to our Theater World Lightning Round? All right, let's do it. Yes, we're going to ask go. you a series of rapid-fire questions all about your taste and experience in theater. All right. Danny, do you have a favorite Broadway diva? Oh, um, Carmen Cusack, because I love Bright Star. <gasps> mm, wow, okay. Very good. What, what, what else has she been in? I feel like I don't know. I don't know, but I got to take a picture with her and I was like totally fanboying. Like, yeah. oh my God, can I take a picture with you? Oh my God, this is so exciting. Oh, like the she highlight was of my life. in uh, Flying Over Sunset and had yeah. the, the one good song in that show. The theme, no. Yeah. Yeah, no, that she, she <laughs> that, sang that Flying <laughs> Over Sunset and the rest of that show was uh, Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't remember <laughs> all the songs. I listened to it like once and that was it. Yeah, there's a moment where Tony or uh, Tony Yazbek is just talking about how like he's the coolest man in the world. Okay. You know, <laughs> some musicals make it, some of either saying. Danny, what is your dream role? <laughs> is it Norma Desmond? Oh, of course. Um, I, you know, I never really had one until I saw Bright Star. I'm gonna totally fanboy over the show. I would love to play Jimmy Ray in Bright Star. Like I saw. What are the rules of you casting yourself in one of these? I don't. I go in as an auditioner on every show. Okay. I I I make it clear like I'm just here to audition. Uh, Last year was uh, the first time that I had to go in as a board member to audition Mm -hmm. on Angels in America, and I went in totally auditioned. I had auditioned for um, Murder on the Nile did not get cast and that was okay. I was like, I went in, I'm here as an auditioner. Um, for Ernest, they uh, they didn't have somebody to play Jack and they were looking and I had another project that got postponed and so I was available, but also went in on an audition. So I make no requirements. If there's somebody better for the role, cast them. It's yeah. not fair to say, oh, well, I'm the board chairman, give me the role. Uh, I go in as an auditioner. I prepare an audition. Would yep. you say that like theater companies, maybe in the Bay Area, have had like artistic directors or people that just like precast people? Yes, definitely. It's it's 
Uh, yes, there are. And I never wanted to be that person. I didn't want to go in and say, well, I want that role. It's like, would I like that role? Yes. But if I don't get it here, I'll wait till the next time the show comes around. I don't mm -hmm. think it's fair to precast unless you are specifically putting that in your casting announcement. Like this role is precast. Um, I just don't think it's right. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's. Yeah, because you're auditioning under false pretenses. You're just like, oh, right. yeah. And there but, are. But why waste people's time? And it's really hard as an actor when you're at an audition and you can see clearly that a role has been cast already and they're having you read for it. And it's like, why are you wasting my time? Like, mm -hmm. this isn't right. I yeah, don't, it's, I don't it's, a, it's an inevitable part of the industry, but it's a bit unsavory at the same time. Yeah, right. and you can't storm out of a callback. You can't be like, bye. And it happens everywhere. I mean, it happens no matter where you are in the entertainment industry, but be clear, be upfront. Don't waste other people's time by pretending that you're calling them back for something that you know you're not going to give them. Yeah, I mean, some people get power hungry when they become the gatekeepers. Right. And can, they totally and make, do. can make all those decisions for themselves. And right. like, in some ways, more power to you to do the, the stuff you want, but it makes things less fair for the ones who are just, you know, signing up and auditioning for their fair shot. Exactly. So I encourage uh, open, open, opening your your mind and making sure that you're clear about what you're doing. And I've made it clear where I'm at because I do have that position of power for what it's worth to say, do not cast me just because of who I am, cast me for my talent. And if mm -hmm. I'm not talented enough for that show, that's okay. But you know who I am. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, sure they do. They're like, oh, that guy. He's I been am forever. big. That's the pictures that got small. Yes, yes. Uh, so Danny, you have a lot of experience working with uh, youth theater. Yes. Um, what do you think is a show that more young people and youth theater companies should be performing? Because mm. I feel like we kind of always see the same ones. You know, it's hard because there are certain shows I think that kids shouldn't do. I think it shows that have way too much adult sexualization should not be performed by kids. It's just, I, I just, it makes me uncomfortable. I do appreciate shows that feature kids playing kids because that's what they understand. Mm -hmm. I, it's hard for me to see, you know, 13 year olds playing 60 year olds. It's like, what life experience <laughs> yeah. do you have? Um, so I, I do love the show 13. I've worked on it it's, many times. It's perfect for, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. And it really just is about that 13 year old experience. Um, I was lucky enough to direct Changing Minds one summer, which is another show. It's not like the best written show in my opinion, but it's kids playing kids. It has all the archetypes of who's in school, the cool kids, the jocks, the, the nerds, the goths. Um, so I'm a big fan of kids being able to play kids roles. Um, I feel sometimes theaters get a little too much into like Disney and it's like, I, I don't have anything against Disney. It's just like another Disney show. Can we do something else? Um, so my, my top show for kids to perform in, it really is 13. I mean, it's amazing that like, you know, 
theater for young performers and young audiences is such a large market and such a big part of the theater experience for people growing up. But there's barely any shows that are written to be performed by kids. Like you've got kids, you know, doing um, Susical. Yeah, well, right. I mean, Susical is great, but it's, yeah, that was was it was it written for kids? Like I think it was written. Like I don't well, know. Like it's what's interesting is Woodside is doing that this year. That's awesome. when they announced the best. Like it's I think great show. is the mo- is probably the mo- the most overdone show I've seen for kids. Right. Um, right. So here's an adult program that's going to do it. It's going to probably put a lot of kids in the show and sell a lot of tickets. But that's okay. Uh, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but I think that you have a great point that there aren't a lot of shows written for kids because to me, it's the Broadway trickle down effect. Right. Where does everything get recognition and name from? Broadway. Right. Mm-hmm. And where do we hear all the songs from? Broadway. Broadway is not going to be putting together a bunch of shows that are just going to be youth because kids don't grow make money. fast. It's mm-hmm. like the process of putting that show together, like over four or five years. And it's like, well, you've recast it three times because your kids got too big for the roles. They've grown out of them. Um, so it is a challenge. But, yeah, and then there are those shows that are too mature, like Heather's and Spring Awakening, but, right. you know. And, like, it, even for me, Grease. Grease has a lot of, yeah. like, adult content, and that's why if you look back at the movie, they were all in their yeah. 20s, pushing 30, um, because it should be more parody, farce, of yeah. adults playing the teenagers. I think it makes it more fun. Yeah, Grease is one of those shows to me where it's kind of like, I kind of compare it to even like Dear Evan Hansen in the sense where like, it's great if you don't think about what's going on in the songs. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like the or songs what she's are, doing. Are, they're, like yeah, they're, they're to fun to herself. sing. Yeah, they're yeah. fun to sing. But when you think about the actual story and subtext yeah. and what the characters are going through, it's like, this is what we're having high schoolers do like this is no. we're still right cutting out there i don't know not in the yeah. theater department that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> okay what's your next what's your oh, next, rapid next fire? one is what is the single greatest experience you've ever seen in theater or on backstage on stage whatever the greatest moment you've ever had me personally or me as an audience member you either either way the best okay. thing you've ever seen the big, okay. best thing you've ever been a part of it could be both well so this past summer i went to new york as my uh, graduation gift to myself and i splurged on seeing hugh jackman as the music man oh. how was that he is an amazing performer like really? i just didn't realize yeah. how much joy i had from watching him and i think it's because He's such a huge name, mm-hmm. yet he was still so connected to everyone on that stage. There was no, like, divaness about him. It was he was a part of that team, and that's what I really appreciated about him, and that when you get to a certain level as an entertainer, mm-hmm. that you can still be that person that is that community, not community theater, but that theater person, that mm-hmm. that team member that just hey, this is my role, but I'm still here with all the rest of you and I'm connected to each of you. And like him with with uh, the kids was just so charming. And I was like, that's the type of performer I want to be. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to be 
a regular, just a regular actor. That's what it was like. So for me, that was big, a really great thing. I also saw uh, Tina, the Tina Turner musical, which was wonderful. If it ever goes on tour, I highly recommend seeing it. Um, her life story, we know it, it but seeing it is was amazing. So those were my two favorites this past summer. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad you shared that because like I I I hadn't seen that production of of Music Man, but I'm a, I'm a famous I'm famously a, a huge Hickman hater when it comes to musical yeah, theater. Okay. I, can't, I his his voice does not gel with me, but I'm sure in in, in real life it's magical. It, he <laughs> was was, was Sutton Foster like in love with him? Can you tell? Um, she was like, I wouldn't. No, well, it was interesting because at first she had like this kind of like um really dismissive edge to her like mm -hmm. oh i'm going through the motions but then as the show progressed like and their romance bloomed you could tell they really appreciated each other at least as mm -hmm. an audience member i don't know in real life but as an audience member you could just see that they enjoyed working together they were having fun together like it was just entertainment, and I was glad I spent like the two hundred and sixty dollars on that ticket. Ooh, wow! <laughs> where did you sit for that price? Oh, like way up high. Yeah, oh, that, God. That, was, that was like the most economically prohibitive show since Hamilton. It was like, but it was my last night there. I was like, I'm just gonna go walk over and see if they have any tickets, and they had two tickets, and there oh was like God. one for two sixty and one for two twenty or whatever it was, and I was like, right. okay, I'll take this one. And then the lady sold me the ticket, and I said, well, I guess I won't be able to eat dinner tonight. <laughs> she just laughed at me and goes, okay, bye. <laughs> that's um, theater, kid. That's theater. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, what credit that's what cards you, are for. And that's, that's what true. you get by putting an A-list movie actor on Broadway. You can yeah. make a million bazillion dollars each night. And you know, one of the other great experiences of theater that I've had, when I saw Rocky, on Broadway. Oh my gosh. I, I am so interested in yeah. the Rocky musical because Rocky so is just at ringside, right? You know, the cool the coolest thing was that was my first trip to New York several years ago. And uh when I was doing my first masters, because I always do it around the time I do my masters. <laughs> uh, and uh I did the Broadway teachers workshop. And so they had a series of shows you go to and uh we went to see it and it was like I just got really into it. And then at the end, when they had the fight, yeah. the front audience members all got out of their seats and the ring rolled out over right. those seats. And then those audience members went up into like the, um, what do they call that? Like, like bleachers? The, stadium, the bleachers, yeah. The bleachers, yeah. the stadium seating in the back on the stage. Yeah. The fighting was so realistic. And it was like ESPN type things dropped down from the ceiling. Oh, yeah. Whoa. And the whole audience, it was insane, was out of their seats cheering as the boxing is going on. Like everyone's standing up going, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is like immersive. Yeah. It crazy. sounded magical. It was so cool. And I was like, I would love to do that show. Yeah. I don't have a boxer's body, but I would love to do that show. <laughs> yeah, everything I've heard about that show is that like the first hour and a half are kind of boring. The songs aren't great, but yeah. then the last 30 minutes is thrilling. Yes, it was just like, oh, it was, you know, when there's- Because Rocky's my favorite movie. When there's straight men next to you crying out of joy. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, 
going on? This is crazy. The unity in one theater. It was. It brought everyone together. Because, yeah, like, nobody goes to that show to see, like, the ice skating scene. No. (laughs) It was all about (laughs) the contact. And when one of the uh, workshops for the Broadway Teachers Workshop was they came in and they were talking about the fight choreography for that show. And they're like, "You, you can't. You can't fake it. We have to do contact because of the show. Yeah, and you have people cool seeing see. you up close from all angles. So they have like blood packets in their mouths that they like, and then like spit out <laughs> across the audience. Basically. Yeah. Oh what's my the, God. What's the big musical theme? It's like, come on, Rocky, fight from the heart. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember. I just it's, remember that. It's like the... so cheesy. Like, it, I think it's like, it's Aaron's and Flaherty. So it's like good, yeah. good composers. Yeah. But that's. Like the ethos of that show itself is so. It sounds um, like ragtime, but it's for Rocky. Yeah, no. <laughs> like it's so it's so earnestly about you know becoming a, an underdog and a hero that like the music is a little corny, but it's I think it's still fun. But I think the reason everyone loves Rocky is he's the underdog. It's yeah. like everyone it's wants so to root for that underdog totally, and it was like yes, yeah. So those, those are some cool experiences. We like, need more things sports on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I, it brings yeah. in a different audience. Tell you Call, that. Yeah, bring back damn Yankees. Hey, they're, hey. They're, they're about to have a professional wrestling musical on Broadway starring the uh, ripped R- Ramin Karimloo. Really? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, when, I don't know. Come out. I don't know if you're selling me on that one, but uh. <laughs> I, I would go to a professional wrestling musical. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, it looks that's really like, good that's too. That's like the perfect you know? marriage. They're jumping perfect. around and slamming each other and singing. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I, I've always said that you know professional wrestling is like straight people drag. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, it's yeah. all like it's and it's soap opera. I mean, yeah. those those. That's why The Rock was so good. Characters have been around for years. And it's, you know, it's an exaggerated portrayal of gender and like you right. know, in, in, insane costumes and conflicts and love stories. Exactly. It, I, just add some music and you've got a, a great show. And you've got a great musical right there. Yeah. Done. All right. Well, thank you so much, Danny, yeah, thanks, for coming Danny. on our podcast. We had so much fun uh, chatting it up with you. Gavin thank with you Danny. for having me. It was fun. I finally got asked. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you, you, you've you've been with Theater World for a while. We we, we d- you did a few of our our Zoom shows, our I Zoom did. meetings, yeah. And you were a regular. I was well, a regular. Before we go, give us give us a last final plug for uh, anything we need to know about your season at Coastal Rep. Uh, well, today's the last chance to see the importance of being earnest, and then uh, I think the Crucible is going to be really good coming in June. So come check that out. And of course, my favorite bright star this summer in August at Coastal Rep. In Half Moon Bay. And we will we will uh, put all of the links and websites in our bio. And uh, yeah, follow us on Instagram at theaterworld underscore presents. We've got some new logos and whatnot to share. And Zan, you feeling good? I'm feeling great. Cool. Danny, feeling good? I am feeling awesome. And I'm going to go get ready to perform a matinee. I'll break a leg. Thank you. Well, we will see you next time on the Theater World Podcast. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.